We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio, another week of The Core. Glad to have you with us. I'm Walker Wildman. This is American Family Radio. If you want to catch the podcast, you can do so by going to our website, AFR.net, clicking on the show, AFA at The Core. You'll have a listing there of all of our past episodes of The Core, and you can go and listen at your convenience. We also publish the podcast on multiple platforms, Apple Android, Spotify, which we'll actually talk about Spotify later. And um, then we publish the video on the AFA streaming platform as well. So go to streaming.afa.net. You can watch AFA at the core. After the fact, we upload the content, upload the video there. And we have uh, the Facebook live video as well. So go to Facebook, AFA at the core show page. You can watch the live video as we do the show each weekday. Uh, Bobby, we have, we're going to talk about this Joe Rogan situation. We're going to talk about Spotify. We're going to talk about all the people that want to ban ideas that they don't like, ban speech that they don't like. We're going to talk about that, why that's wrong. And Bobby, we're going to have a special guest on here in a few minutes. We are. We're going to have Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the... um co-defendants, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, along with uh, Dr. Robert Malone. But Dr. McCullough has graciously uh, stated that he'll uh, be able to spend a couple of minutes with us here shortly. All right, so Dr. McCullough has been on the show before, a friend of the ministry here, and he has um, been on the Joe Rogan experience. So has Dr. Peter Malone. I'm sorry, Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, Both of them are experts in their field. They've been on the Joe Rogan experience to explain their viewpoint on the COVID-19 pandemic. And simply them going on the Joe Rogan experience has triggered everyone on the left to where now the crosshairs of the leftist, petty, and fact-opposed people are going after Joe Rogan. The crosshairs of that group are on Joe Rogan. And and people probably listen, what's who's Joe Rogan and what's the point here? All right. The point here is that we are at a pivotal point. And I'm not going to say that we are at the most pivotal point because that can get said too often, all right? Uh just like people say this is the most important election in America's history. Well, they're all really important, okay? So, um and you can justify why I'm, They're all very important, okay, because they all determine the direction of the country. But we're at a pivotal, a pivotal point here in America where you've got the government. This isn't just private entities, all right, that are saying we don't like this content, so we're not going to publish it on our platform, okay? Because we can go through all the legal framework that allows private entities to regulate what's on their private platforms, all right? So that's not the point here. 
the point here is we have the U.S. government sanctioning an attack on the First Amendment. Right here, I have an article of Biden's Surgeon General, which talk about spreading misinformation. He is the leader of spreading misinformation. He he said that vaccine-based immunity is better than natural immunity. He said that months ago. I played it on the show, despite the fact that he has no he has no data to back that up. That was a flat-out false statement, and he knows it, but he spread it. And I didn't say that he should be taken off the airwaves. No, I didn't, because that's not how we roll. But the left, that's how they want to treat us. They want to deplatform and censor every single idea they don't like. That is the issue at hand. All right, on the line, we have with us Dr. Peter McCullough out of the state of Texas. Uh, that's where his, uh, that's where he his residence is, at least. And uh, I'll let him give us uh, a little bit of his bio. Dr. McCullough, thank you for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. I'm in the middle of my uh, clinical day I'm here in Dallas in academic practice. I'm an internist and cardiologist, a trained epidemiologist, uh, um, one of the most published people in academic medicine in the United States currently, editor of Reviews in Cardiovascular Medicine, editor of the major textbook, Cardiovenal Medicine, president of the Cardiovenal Society, over 50 publications in the peer-reviewed literature on COVID-19, two sets of Senate testimony on COVID-19, and I'm a frequent contributor to Fox News and almost every major news station on COVID-19. And I'm happy to give you any type of commentary that you may need right now. I'm going to get back to patients in just a minute. All right. I'll keep you two minutes. Uh, Dr. McCullough, let me ask you this. I saw your tweet from a few minutes ago. Has Spotify Corporation reached out to you for your data and your slideshows and your information that you've compiled? Has Spotify reached out to you for that information? No, they haven't. Uh, in fact, uh, Spotify... Uh, you know, it could have, it's had two months now, they could have gotten my uh, slides. Uh, they haven't named who their physician reviewers are going to be. And I'm concerned about Spotify trying to practice medicine. Mm, that's a good point. That's a very good point, Dr. McCullough. Um, one last thing I want to get your thoughts on. Um, ha- have you seen in your career, in your medical career, have you seen this level of hysteria, hysteria, and, and calls for deplatforming and pulling down content of, of, of different physicians and experts sharing their ideas and their views of the issue. Have you seen this level before? Never. In, in fact, it violates all the rules of scientific discourse. Uh, our discussions and disagreements and <coughs> progress that we make through uh, interchange of information, that's how medical progress occurs. Uh, when that's interfered with, Medical progress is interfered with. Mm-hmm. So the great concern about deplatforming uh, and censoring is the fact that patients in the end get hurt. You have it just right there, Dr. McCullough. Thank you for cutting out a few minutes for us, and we'll, we'll, okay. have, we'll have you on again when you have more time. Thank you, Dr. McCullough. Very good. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Probably one of the first <clears throat> on-the-record responses by Dr. McCullough as it relates to the Joe Rogan experience, the Spotify scandal, um, a scandal created by the left, by the way, not in, not instigated by Joe Rogan, uh, might, might add that. Um, and so th- there you have it. Uh, so Dr. Peter McCullough goes on the Joe Rogan experience. I don't know. He just said two months ago. And we're just now getting around to canceling them. <laughs> well, we're just now getting around to canceling them. Um, the left is. Dr. Robert Malone did the same thing. 
And what Dr. Peter McCullough just said there on the show is that Spotify, by the way, Spotify has now caved partially. Uh, They're going to now add a content warning to Joe Rogan's podcast. They're going to add a content warning, which is just like what the rest do. It's just what Facebook does. It's what Twitter does. It's what YouTube does. They're all singing the same song. They're all singing the same song. And so they're going to start adding a content warning. What on earth is a content warning going to say? Are they going to start offering clinical advice? I mean, this is laughable, folks. This is laughable, but it's so serious. It's so serious, but yet laughable. These people are a joke. So now now Spotify, to Dr. McCullough's point, now Spotify is getting into the medical industry. Spotify is going to start practicing medicine and recommending different forms of treatment. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the issue here, folks, once again, is that doctor, this is not about truth or falsehoods. This is not about fact or fiction. This is about an established narrative that has a whole lot of politics behind it and not a whole lot of science or medical information. This is about a political narrative about power, and anyone who dare challenges it will be crucified. That is what we're up against, and that's why it's so important. Because Dr. Peter McCullough brings publicly available data and studies and clinical trials to the Joe Rogan experience, Quite literally, he had his laptop on the table during the radio interview. And he's citing data that you and I can go read and that Dr. Fauci can go read and that Spotify's newfound scientists can go read. But they don't care about that. Because if Spotify hires scientists who are actually objective... And they reach out to Dr. McCullough. They reach out to Dr. Malone and say, may I have the data, please? Well, first you can say, well, you can go find it yourself. But if you want my slideshows, sure, I'll give you my slideshows and all my citations. What you'll find out is if you have objective people reviewing that data, they will find out that Dr. McCullough's analysis is spot on. That his analysis is is spot on. And the reason I point this out, I can go down this whole, you know, First Amendment, free speech, free sharing of ideas, and all that has validity, okay? But in this scenario, there is fact and fiction. And Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone and Joe Rogan are on the side of truth. They are on the side of truth. And in this case, the truth is being attacked viciously, and that should concern us all. All right? That should concern us all, is that the truth is being attacked viciously, even by our very own government. The Surgeon General of the United States, Biden's political hack Surgeon General, has no business telling big tech platforms who can be on their platform and who shouldn't be. Because everybody on the left, they're fawning over this. They're going, yeah, pull Joe Rogan down. Make them learn their lesson. And they're all high-fiving each other. They're all having a block party. 
But what they don't understand because they're so short-sighted and they're literally spiritually blind, but what they don't grasp, and I hope they will, is that tomorrow it could be them. And if tomorrow it's them, are they going to like it then? If tomorrow the, uh, let's just talk hypothetically, if tomorrow it's the, the Ron DeSantis administration, the new president, Ron DeSantis, and it's his appointees going, let's pull Dr. Fauci off of the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, Spotify should ban Maxine Waters. Or, or a Facebook should pull down uh, uh, Kamala Harris's Facebook page. They would be up in arms, impeach DeSantis, we have a First Amendment right, how dare you prevent debate, and you, you, can, you can hear the talking points now. And all of us, us people who try to have consistency in our worldview, we would be going, yeah, you're right. We probably should not be banning people just because we don't like what they say. And so th- this is a slippery slope And that's an understatement because we see what happens around the world when the expression, the free expression of of ideas, when free thought, when, 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 when debate is, is nullified as bad, you know, no, no, we can't debate. No, we won't discuss. No, your ideas can't be brought up. That is a terrible place to be. And the Christian viewpoint to misinformation, if we want to go down this path, The Christian approach, the biblical approach to falsehoods is to offer up the truth. And at the end of the day, it always happens. The truth will prevail. And I'm not just talking about spiritual truths, biblical truths. I'm talking about the truth in all subjects. Uh, Whether we're talking about COVID-19, the truth about that will eventually prevail because enough good people will promote the truth to such an extent where other people will understand it and grasp it. But the way to convince people of the truth is not to ban them and tell them to be quiet. The way to convince people of the truth is to present it consistently and with enough clarity to where they will understand it. That should be our approach to people we disagree with, not deplatforming them like Spotify and others are trying to do. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In the burning bush encounter, Scripture records that it began as Moses kept Jethro's flock. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Notice God didn't speak to Moses until he gave full attention to what God was trying to show him. Diligent attention to daily duty is necessary. We must be careful, however, not to allow duty to become an idol. Are our hearts still sensitive to God? Can God still get our attention? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Have you ever tried to stay on trend? Whether it be fashion, music, keeping your social media profile picture updated, trendsetters probably need a nap from all the frenzy of keeping up. Culture is full of folly. Proverbs 15:21 says, Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Godly wisdom produces a straight course, one that is marked by long-enduring wisdom. As you lead your daughter into a path of wisdom, be mindful of your own heart. If you tend to scramble for temporary cultural relevance, identify ways you can pull back and replace that with the character of God and lead your young lady in what Psalm 139 says is the way everlasting. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Be it discuss my options for abortion. After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer. I was still borderline thinking abortion until the little part at the bottom of the ultrasound started moving. And we realized there were two. And I knew then. The ministry of preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Just seeing that, I said, I can't. I can't. The ultrasound is still the deal. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back into the Core here on American Family Radio. If you missed last segment, we had Dr. Peter McCullough on. We had Dr. Peter McCullough on to, for his response to the Spotify outrage that is being manufactured by the left and the people who hate the truth. And this is this is really a battle over truth. This is really a battle over truth. Once again, this is not uh, all of this is still up in the air. All right, some of this is some of this is still being studied, but uh, Dr. McCullough has the proof. He has the evidence. He has the data to back up what he believes, but people aren't interested in it. Why aren't they interested in it? Because they will reveal when they review the data and the information themselves that Dr. McCullough is actually onto something, that he actually knows what he's talking about. That's why Spotify hasn't reached out to Dr. McCullough to review the data, because they don't want to review the data because this ain't about the data. This is about narrative and this is about politics. Um, One thing I want to jump to before we continue the show is our scripture, because I had to jump to Dr. McCullough last segment. And I didn't get to our scripture. So we are in the book of Psalm, continuing the book of Psalm. We're in chapter 8. And this entire chapter is about glorifying our Father in heaven and also magnifying his creation, his created order, his power. Psalm chapter 8, we're just going to read the entire chapter this week. Uh, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, when you have, what you have set in place, 
What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and all oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. Right now in my Sunday school class, I'm studying God's revelation. And it's, it's, a, it's a study, which actually is available at our resource center, resources.afa.net. Uh, Intro to God's Revelation with Dr. Richard Howe. First week, talked about uh, g- generic or general revelation. Uh, this week, we talked about special revelation, which is through God's Word. But on general revelation or generic revelation, the, uh, uh, the focus is on God's creation and how God's, God's creation displays His glory and displays His characteristics and displays God, and his, it reveals part, uh, uh, facts about God by looking at his created order. And same thing with this Psalm of David here, this uh, Psalm chapter 8. Uh, his, God's creation displays uh, 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 characteristics about his, himself. Uh, back to the Joe Rogan uh, discussion. I've got, actually got a clip. I'm going to let Joe Rogan speak for Joe Rogan. And uh, I, don't, I didn't want to pull the whole thing. It was nine minutes, so that would eat up an entire segment. Um, and this is not the Joe Rogan show, so we're not going to play segments of Joe Rogan. But I pulled the first about three and a half minutes, all right? And so this is Joe Rogan responding. This is his first on-the-record response to Spotify and the hysteria over having people on to share their viewpoints about COVID-19. Clip six, let's listen. Hello, friends. I wanted to make a video to address some of the controversy that's been going on over the past few days. And first of all, to say thank you to everyone that sent love and support. I truly, truly appreciate it. And it's been very nice to hear from you. I wanted to make this video, first of all, because I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. The podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID. You would be removed from social media. They would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. 
if you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely, I get things wrong. But I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. He has a different opinion than those men do. I had Dr. Dr. Michael Osterholm on at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, he is on President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board. I had uh, Dr. Peter Hotez on, who is uh, a vaccine expert. I'm interested in finding out what is correct and find, I'm also finding out how people come to these conclusions and what the facts are. All right, so, so Joe Rogan there just gave us a three-minute spill on why this whole labeling things as dangerous misinformation is itself dangerous. Is itself dangerous because and this is this is Joe Rogan is not he is not um, he should not feel entitled to bring on the Biden talking heads but he did he brought on the Biden talking heads and the big pharma folks to talk about the vaccine and and the left still is not happy with that and see this this foils their whole plan. You know, remember in English class, you used to go through, uh, read books, and you would do a FOIA report, and I forgot the, what each letter means, but you would, you would expose what's in the book in just a few brief paragraphs with each letter. Well, that's what Joe Rogan just did here. He just foiled the whole plan because Joe Rogan just explained that, hey, I have people from both sides of the aisle on. I have people from varying viewpoints on, and that's not enough. I think he's had Bernie Sanders on his show before. That's not enough. We have to just do one-sided reporting, one-sided shows. That's what will have us approved by the mainstream. That right there reveals it all. That this is not about diverse viewpoints. This is about one-sided viewpoints and no rebuttals. No rebuttals and no um, countering of someone's viewpoint. The... Um, and by the way, I mentioned an analogy real quick before we move on. I mentioned an analogy to Bobby during the break, which I just thought of, and it, it really is applicable here to help us understand this. Because there are people that are really having a hard time in, in their mind. They know it's not right to yank Joe Rogan because we don't like Joe Rogan. They know that's not right, but they're having trouble thinking through this from an apologetics, from a defense standpoint. And how do you parse this? All right. What Spotify is doing by now, and, and this is what other, Spotify is not, this is not a new strategy. Okay. The other big tech 
platforms have been doing this for a long time, for two years now. Actually, longer than that. But the whole labeling stuff they don't like. And then they, they point you to another third-party website that provides a disclaimer to whatever the person said when they posted. But what Spotify is doing here is, is imagine this, all right? Imagine that there's a podcast on Spotify of a seatbelt safety analysis inspector, all right? That's probably not even a position, but someone who, for a living, they analyze which seatbelt manufacturers provide the safest seatbelts. It would be like there being a podcast that focuses on that topic on Spotify, and someone complains, like maybe the Department of Transportation, they complain about that Spotify podcast because the person who gave their review of the seatbelt safety analysis, they gave the wrong uh, seatbelt recommendation, the wrong manufacturer recommendation. It would be like Spotify. This is like Spotify getting into the business of seatbelt safety analysis reviews and, per, and linking to disclaimers about which seatbelt is safer than the other. That's what's happening here. With all these platforms that are getting into the medical field, they're somehow providing disclaimers as far as which therapeutics you should take and which ones you shouldn't. They are delving into something that isn't their forte, that they know nothing about. All right? And they're hiring these political hacks with an MD by their name that want to, that, that they just affirm what Facebook or what Spotify already believes. These platforms aren't going to bring in objective people that are going to speak against the established narrative because that would blow up the entire thing. All right, so these platforms, they are, they are content hosting platforms. They are not political lobbying platforms. Spotify is not WebMD. Spotify is not Johns Hopkins. Spotify hosts audio content for people to consume, for people to listen to. So if they're going to start regulating medical discussions, are they going to start regulating everything? No, they're not. They're not because that's not what they focus on. That's not what they specialize in. They are simply a content hosting platform, and that's where they make their money. They make their money on advertisers and users visiting their site. They don't make their money on whether people buy ivermectin or use remdesivir, all right? So they're all about the advertisers and the users. That's their focus. That's how they make money, and that's what they should continue focusing on. Uh, all right, on to another topic. We, Well, you may not have seen this if you've been watching CNN, but the uh, trucker, the trucker, uh, the thousands of truckers that have been protesting in Canada. Boy, is this a beautiful thing. So Justin Trudeau and Biden, they teamed up to decided they were going to force the shot, the COVID-19 shot, on the truckers that cross the border between Canada and the U.S. So if you cross the border in either direction or in either direction, then you have to have the shot. You got to show your record. All right, you got to show your shot record. Well, these truckers said, no, we're not doing this. We've had enough, enough of the mandates. Let us drive our trucks. Let us transport goods to keep the consumers happy. And so they gathered up a couple thousand or multiple thousand uh, trucks, um, dozens if not hundreds of miles long, the caravan, and they have been uh, drove to the capital of Canada and they've been protesting. And it's a beautiful thing because if the trucks don't drive, folks, you and I don't eat unless you got a guard in your backyard. But I mean that quite literally. If the trucks don't drive, if the, I know they don't drive themselves, but you get the point. If the truckers 
don't drive the trucks and deliver the goods, you and I don't have goods to purchase when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the convenience store, when we go to buy a new pair of tennis shoes. All of our goods and services, all of our goods and services, I guess, uh, takes place with the delivery of goods. If you uh, don't have the 18-wheelers delivering the food to the restaurant, then you don't go to the restaurant and have dinner. All right, so we've got to understand the importance, and that's why I so admire truckers, is because they keep the country running, quite literally. They keep the country running, and they're sometimes underappreciated. But I think this is this is a point we had to get to, and and I really hope that the truckers will stay in the capital until Trudeau repels the mandate, and Biden, by the way. Because this is what the left does. So every once in a while, it's probably good for us to pull out of the playbook of the left. And here's what they do, if you've forgotten. The teachers unions, the Chicago teachers unions, I covered it. The Los Angeles teacher unions, I cover this all the time. They, uh, well, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not reporting to work until uh, we have a mask mandate. Uh, we're not reporting to work until we get a raise. We see this all the time. We see like every other week. The teachers unions are protesting over something that they want. They're bargaining for something they want. All right. Or you see uh, other areas where, um, where, where the left protest to get what they want. And so I think it's time that we protest to get what we want. That we protest to get what we want. Because if the 18-wheelers stop driving for enough days... Then the, then the food that goes to the White House, they probably got their secure supply chain, but you know what I'm saying here. <laughs> if the food stops getting delivered to the D.C. restaurants that feed the congressmen and the senators, well, they'll start responding. They'll start responding. So hopefully, optimistically, the truckers in Canada will just stay put. They've got enough money, I, I read, where they can stay in Ottawa for two to four years to fuel their trucks with diesel. So, I hope they stay there, and I hope the politicians come to their senses and respond to the people, because the mandates aren't cool, and people don't like them. Look at the numbers. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true, and if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at afa.net. 40 Days for Life President and CEO Sean Carney tells The Stand, we sometimes have a confidence problem when abortion comes up. It all comes down to the fact that people just don't know what to say. That's why he co-wrote the book, What to Say When, and he shares some great advice with The Stand to help you start the process of changing hearts and minds about abortion. You can read Gain Confidence to Champion Life at afa.net slash the stand. 
The Stand, formerly AFA Journal. Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. Look, you know how much I care about income. We got to have income because we're always going to be consuming and we need to make sure that we've got income over and above our social security, maybe even over and above our social security and a pension. What I want you to consider and think about is a charitable remainder trust. A charitable remainder trust is gonna allow you an income that is gonna be far better than CD income. And someday when the Lord calls you home, you'll be doing kingdom work. What a way to get income for the rest of your life. Call the AFA Foundation. Get more information, 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Ask them about a charitable remainder trust. This time of year, many people make resolutions, but unfortunately, they just don't stick. Franklin Graham. Let me tell you about a decision that you can make today that can change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. You see, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins. And he died on a cross and he shed his blood for our sins. And he was buried and on the third day, God raised him to life. If you're willing to trust Jesus, he will change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. And I'm willing to follow him as my Lord from this day forward forever. Amen. Someone is ready to talk with you right now about a relationship with Jesus Christ or simply pray with you. Call 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. God bless you and a happy new year to each and every one. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. You know, last week I talked about Alex Berenson going on Tucker Carlson. I don't think I brought the clip in, but I talked about it. I summarized it. Um, about Alex Berenson pointing out on Tucker Carlson that the emergency use authorization and the full approval, by the way, of these uh, COVID-19 shots, the, the, the formula was designed against the original strain of COVID-19. And we are some two dozen plus, I don't know how many variants. <laughs> Does anybody know? No, nobody really knows <laughs> because it's very hard to keep track of. Um, but we are some, let's just say, dozen or two dozen plus variants down the road, two years, by the way, and that's that's not counting uh, when China uh, let it out of the lab or released it on purpose. We don't really know that either. Um, before that, because this goes back to what mo- many people don't know is, this goes back to well before December of 19. There's evidence, substantial evidence, that the, la- the la- leak from the Wuhan lab are the releasing from the Wuhan lab, uh, that's to be determined, was done well before December of 2019. So this thing's been out longer than two years. But let's just say for that which we've been tracking, that which we're aware of, two years. And um, uh, they're, they're, they're authorizing, the government's authorizing boosters, recommending boosters on, on different variants 
that were designed for a variant two years ago. Which just doesn't pass the smell test, <laughs> pun intended, since COVID makes you lose your smell like it made me lose my smell. Uh, but it doesn't pass the test. And so for that reason, let's play uh, a clip here. This is Alex Berenson, former New York Times columnist on Tucker Carlson's show, talking about uh, myocarditis risk and how this uh, shot was approved two years ago for a completely different var variant. Let's listen. So you say they're ineffective, and that's demonstrable to anybody who lives in this country. Everyone you know who's had it, you know, has had COVID, and most of them are fine. But when you say they're dangerous, what do you mean by that? Well, there was a JAMA paper today, actually, that showed that rates of myocarditis, which is, again, a heart inflammation that can be very dangerous and can affect people of any age, but myocarditis in young men, actually in college age people, especially men, it is 50 to 100 times as high as the, as the background rate after the second shot. There's another issue here, which is that these, when I say that there, there's danger, there's danger, and the danger is dose-related, okay? That's a general rule in medicine. The dose makes the poison. And giving people more mRNA that's going to make them produce spike protein that doesn't match the current spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 is useless and is likely to wrong foot their immune systems. So there's, there's a problem with the efficacy and the immune response, and there's also just a problem with the dangers of the vaccines themselves. If these products were being brought to market now against Omicron, they would not be approvable. So Pfizer is trying to fix that by saying, we're gonna have an Omicron variant mRNA product in the next couple of months. Guess what? It's very likely there'll be a new variant by then. So they're gonna be chasing this and they're gonna be injecting people with something that doesn't match the current variant forever and the results are likely to get worse and worse and worse. Go to the Substack. Just look at the charts. Just look at the chart yeah. of what's happened in Israel in the last couple of weeks. This is a country that's 90% plus adult vaccinated, more than half adult boosted. These are the levels that the Democrats would love to achieve in the United States. It's not, it's not just that it doesn't make any difference. It seems to be making the situation worse. And it is impossible for me to imagine that a fourth shot, that a second booster is going to do anything but in a couple of months lead to another boomerang, another synchronized wave that overwhelms hospitals because they're reporting yeah. that, again, in Israel, that their ICUs are under immense pressure. So I don't know what the logic is right now, but I know that in any rational world, every public health authority would be calling for an immediate halt to vaccinations, mRNA vaccinations for COVID until we know what's going on. So according to Berenson and the public records show that Israel is experiencing a problem. Israel keeps coming back with another recommendation on another booster, yet their numbers keep rising. Not only their infection numbers, but their hospitalization numbers. So my question would be for Israel, who's being hospitalized? If, if your population is 85-plus percent fully vaccinated and boosted, who's going to the hospital? Who is being put in the hospital? Same thing with America. You know, Biden says this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, 70 plus percent of our adults, those who are eligible, now kids are eligible, which is a shame, but 70 plus percent of adults are fully vaccinated. They've received the first two doses, let me note, because this isn't a vaccine, but it's being billed as a vaccine and it doesn't act like a vaccine. But the 70 plus percent of Americans, uh, of American adults, have received the first two shots and then but then but then the left and, and Fauci claim that our hospitals are overwhelmed 
Okay, so our hospitals are being overwhelmed by 30% of the population. Many of those kids. Answer that question. I mean, how can we say <clears throat> that so many people have gotten the shots, but but so many people are going to the hospital? All right? Because there should be enough room in the hospitals for all us unvaccinated folks to be admitted should we need it. But we can't get into those numbers. And by the way, I showed this to Bobby the other day, and maybe I'll bring it on the show and kind of flesh it out a little bit. But uh, much of the charts that we're seeing around the world are being run on a per 100,000 person basis, meaning X amount out of 100,000 are experiencing this, and the charts go up and down, and you see all the numbers. Well, in, in Israel, when you flip how you view the charts and you go to absolute number, which is not percentage-based, it's just straight up, here's the number of patients uh, with X, Y, or Z, the, f- the chart flips. The chart flips to where you've got more people overall. Now, I'm not talking per capita here. All right, hear me out. I'm not talking per capita. I'm talking absolute numbers. In Israel, you got more people that are uh, that are fully vaccinated going to the hospital than you do people who don't have the vaccine. And yes, if you if you if you break it down into per capita and to a percentage system, uh, then 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 the chart flips. But but that's one thing that's not being talked about is more people are going to the hospital that are fully vaccinated than those who aren't. Why is that? Why is that if these shots work as they're supposed to work? So these are just questions that hopefully can be answered, and we'll continue to dig into that to see if we can find the answer for you. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was it's going on in New York City. It's going on in Los Angeles and around the country in these big cities where George Soros has placed district attorneys uh, to follow out the anti-America, bring-down-America agenda of letting criminals out of jail. Well, a actor, an actor by the name of Michael Rappaport. He is um, a New York City resident. Well, he went back, let's see, this is last week. This actor posted a video on his Instagram account. I'm reading from a Fox News article here that that said he showed a shoplifter making his way out of the store, a uh, Rite Aid store in New York City, making his way out of the, uh, of the Rite Aid store, and this criminal, I watched the video, he was just throwing goods in his bag nonchalantly and walking out of the store. So he shoplifted, he stole goods, and he walked out of the store nonchalantly without any pressure, no one going after him. Because that's bad, right? You're not supposed to intervene. Don't intervene <laughs> if a crime's going on. Uh, back in the old days, people would intervene, Let me let me remind you. And it would have been applauded by the community. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for protecting property. Thank you for protecting life. But now, no, 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 legal liability. Lawyers, lawyers, we can't intervene. Um, and so he, this actor goes back, Michael Rappaport. Am I saying this right, Bobby? His yeah, name. This, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and so he, he goes back to the Rite Aid store a week later to just kind of get a status report, you know, is the shoplifting still going on? What's going on here? The place is empty. The Rite Aid store, this is like a, a convenience store, all right? This is like a Walgreens, a CVS. So this Rite Aid store, we don't have a lot of these in the South. That's why I'm giving the, the, the description there. 
This Rite Aid store is gutted. It's empty. Why? They're shutting it down. Why? Because they can't keep goods on the shelves and they can't turn a profit. Why? Because people keep stealing stuff. Because people keep stealing goods from this store. So he goes on to say that he goes on to say, here's what he said in the video. He says, I'm back in my Rite Aid. And there's nothing to steal because this Rite Aid, like so many other Rite Aids, is closing down because everybody stole everything. He goes on to say, and the workers here don't know if they're getting jobs. Congratulations, losers. But this is real life example. This is this is the the this isn't just the writing on the wall. This is this is the example in our face, before our very eyes, of this strategy of soft-on-crime. This soft-on-crime strategy where if you you don't commit a violent offense, then you get out. Well, folks, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. Since when have, quote, non-violent offenses not been offenses? Because I'll guarantee you, If I steal a left-winger's money, if I steal a Democrat's money, they're going to be coming after me with the DOJ and with the FBI because you committed a wrong. You stole my money. Well, it's a nonviolent offense. It's a (laughs) nonviolent offense. And so the whole nonviolent offense rhetoric falls apart so quickly. But the reason I bring this up is because this has a severe adverse effect on the very people that these left-wing radical Democrats claim to care about. Because now we have hard-working, well-respected, blue-collar workers working in this Rite Aid convenience store, working behind the cash register, keeping the uh, shelf stock, unloading the delivery truck, cleaning the floors. These people who want to earn an honest living, so good for them. And by the way, the people who want to earn an honest living and the people who work with their hand get get so little credit in this country. But they're being displaced. They're, they don't even know if they're going to get their job back. So we just put how many people on unemployment because of the Democrats' terrible, stupid ideas. So now what, what are they going to do? They're going to go file unemployment. I'm talking hypothetically here. I don't know their individual scenarios. But let's just say, let's just say half of these Rite Aid workers can't find another job. Well, they're going to be unemployed. Then they're going to put a tax on our system, on our welfare system. This is ridiculous. All because we don't want to send cops to arrest the thieves and then lock them up for whatever the recommended sentence is because we don't want to do that because that's mean. Well, you know what else is mean? And that's not mean, by the way, locking people up for their crimes. But you know what is really mean? is causing people to not be able to earn an honest living because we can't enforce the laws. That is the injustice here. That is the injustice. And these are our inner cities. These are the Democrats. These are the blue folks. These are the bigwigs. And and along with this, let's talk about the blue collar versus white collar. I want to talk about this before we end the show. And I saw this the other day, and I thought, that's a really good point. So this is not original to me. But the, the, 
the blue collar jobs, the jobs where you got to get your hands dirty, the hard working jobs that put a, put a strain on your back. They have been th- those jobs have and those people have been belittled in this country. And I, I admit, I, I do this sometimes. Where where the people who work with their hands, those jobs are being viewed as lesser than. And, and the bankers and the lawyers and the people who do the keyboard all day, which is what I do most of the day. Uh, so I'm speaking to myself here. The people who work with their brain, all right, they work with their hands. They they do computer work. Uh, they, they, they manage people, all right? They manage companies. Uh, those jobs are elevated, all right? Those are better than jobs, all right? But if you want to work at a distribution center, if you want to drive an 18-wheeler, if you want to if you want to run a forklift all day, if you want to uh, dig uh, with a shovel all day, well, that's uh, you don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to do that your whole life. Uh, you don't want to you don't you don't want to do that. You need to go to college so you don't have to do that. Well, folks, the hard truth is the hard reality is that we need this country and the world needs blue collar workers to stay going. We need people with the shovel. We need people driving the forklift. We need people uh, stocking the shelves at the grocery store. We need people who are willing to work with their hands to earn an honest living to keep society moving. Those jobs are good jobs. Those jobs are noble jobs. And so, so, so as we approach society, as we view economics, let's stop talking about blue-collar jobs as if they are lesser than. Because we all need both blue-collar and white-collar jobs to keep this country running, to keep society going. So remember that next time you're talking to your child about what they want to do when they grow up. Don't belittle the guy who works with his hands. We'll be back tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.